You are listening to the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm Christine McMillan, filling in for Ali Cedeno while she is on maternity leave. I'm an experienced manager and the program coordinator here at Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcasts are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Be inspired by the stories shared here. Thank you to the OGGN for their continuous support as our podcast producer. They have the best energy shows on their network. So today I am so excited to talk to one of my old friends and actually she was a cadet with me many, many years ago. We're going to talk about that today. I have Kate McKenna with me here today. Hi, Kate. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy that we had a chance to connect and I really am excited. Tell us where you are, where you're located and introduce yourself. Yes. So I'm so excited that we're sitting down to do this. I honestly was just so excited to get your message. And this is one of those really like full circle moments for me. But I am currently sitting in my apartment in Washington, D.C. I am currently splitting my time between Washington, D.C. and upstate New York. So I'm driving a lot and I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and Woman Offshore is obviously one of them. But yeah, I'm just excited to be here and I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm trying to remember what year it was that we sailed together. I feel like it was maybe 2010. Yeah. 20. I'm shocked to say it was like 2010, 2011. Okay. So it's been a while and you've had like an amazing career already. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I, we just want to highlight you and celebrate your successes in your career today. And so Kate and I sailed on the integrity, the ARC integrity together. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Back, um, it was my very first sailing. I had done a little bit of time on a yacht during my setback, but that was my like first actual, you're going to be a third mate and you're going to learn from a good third mate. And I have to say, I still credit like a lot of the reason I did go to sea for as long as I did to like that first trip and all of the female role models I was able to have on my cadet ships. Cause I think with that, I probably would have tapped out a lot sooner just because I didn't know, you know, I had such a good example of what was possible and seeing like, you had such a lucrative career at that point, And you had done so many things. And I was like, Oh, wow, there's so much out here for me. So that was, you know, not to be like, you know, a fangirl moment, but that was, <laughs> and it was definitely one of the things that kept my interest in sailing. We did have classmates who came back after first sailing and were like, Oh, I'm not doing this. And like, dipped out of the academy, which is fine. Yeah. But I can't believe it was that long ago. I just remember it was a really special time because it was over the holidays. And so we got to spend like Christmas together in Germany and like go through the Christmas markets over there, which is a great thing to do. Having a little hot wine on the walks through Germany. And we got to go to Belgium together. And I remember like eating these like awesome cookies at one point. I don't know. Like the crew was great. Everything was just wonderful. And I know that not everyone has that experience and I'm sorry. I wish that we had more opportunities where, you know, you can look back 10 years plus and be like, oh my gosh, that was a really special time. Let's start from there and then take me through, you graduated from King's Point and then where did you go? So I graduated from the academy in June of 2014. And then I went straight to the MMP Union Hall and I joined MMP, which was kind of weird because I had been on uh-huh. AMO ships. 
I wanted to live in New York and I was like on my like being a Jersey girl, I was like, I'm going to have a Carrie Bradshaw uh-huh. moment. I always watched the city when I was out at sea and I was like, I'm going to live in New York. This is going to be my thing. So I joined the Union Hall in New York and I got picked up to do, they had just won the MSE contract ships to Patriot. Okay. And being that I had a security clearance, they put me in those classes and I started shipping with them on activations and just anytime they needed a relief. And it proved to be a very consistent way for me to sail and to learn like a lot of chief mate centric skills. It was a lot of maintenance heavy. It wasn't necessarily like the art of navigating. You know, we did a bunch of Atlantic crossings to go to Diego to come back from Diego and did a bunch of that. But it was mostly like how to be a maintenance officer on a vessel, especially as a third mate, because you were doing safety, but like you were doing everything the chief mate was doing. So yeah, so I did that for, gosh, I like five solid years of shipping. And then in between that, I was kind of working in some ADT time because I needed to kind of maintain my Navy commitment. That is is definitely one of the requirements I signed up for. I was looking in those opportunities to find something that I could leverage my current experience and this understanding of how the government was operating their logistics fleet and like where we played in as mariners in all of this, but like look at it from a broader picture. So I found an ADT with MSC headquarters in Norfolk working for their DPA. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to do safety like long-term, but I knew it was important and it would probably look good on my resume. So I went and I worked for the assistant DPA there for about three and a half, four months. And while I was there, I realized that I was like very well suited to be in this type of an environment. I found like a very fulfilling passion, not for talking about safety and revising an SMS, but like for having that like intermariner connection Mm -hmm. and not advocacy, but just like an understanding of that shore side. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what a DPA is and their role? Yes. So DPA is the designated person ashore. It is required by law and by code. And essentially there to be your safety advocate, your vessel advocate, and they're a direct link between any mariner within the fleet, within any fleet, every fleet has a DPA, directly to the head of a company. So they're supposed to be an unbiased link for you to access and to advocate for yourself and for your safety, which is a fantastic thing. And honestly, I think they're very underappreciated. I've worked with a lot of them and it is the most stressful job because you're getting constant phone calls about people, you know, well, the butter was left on the table or like we didn't have ice today. And then you get some very serious calls, which, you know, everyone has a voice there and it's up to them to be able to sift through everything and really escalate what needs to be escalated and very underappreciated yeah. role in my opinion, especially the guy at MSE. He's great. So from there, where did you head to? Yes. So while I was there, I actually got approached to apply for a job at APL Maritime. And I applied to be their operations manager. At the same time, actually, we were talking about this yesterday. I also applied to a job at BP to be a charterer in Chicago. And that would be a very pivotal life point for me because it was either moved to DC where I knew one person, Kate Ahrens, who was a fellow KP grad and Coast Guard here, or moved to Chicago where I knew (laughs) So. It was the APL job seemed like it was going to be more suited to what I wanted to do with that like intermariner relationship and to kind of build on that versus the chartering job, which was very much, you know, strictly a charterer's job. You're not dealing with anybody. You're just on the bench. You're doing product. You're working with the office. So yeah, I moved to DC and I started at APL and it was fantastic. I absolutely loved the job. The people who worked for APL and who work on the ships, like I felt such a connection. I felt such a family 
and it was such an interesting job for me because it took my operational knowledge from being a mate and it really transitioned me into a place where I could utilize that and then continue to improve on that for the vessels. I also took on a huge role with training there. So I started to look at how we were training our mariners and the system that they had in place and then worked with a development company to continue to develop criteria and courses based on where our needs were and to make people feel like they were you know, prepared for their job. And I was there for about two and a half years before I moved away from them as I was recruited to join Deloitte's supply chain practice because of my maritime background. So very cool. Um, yeah, that's where I am now. So it's been a journey. I can't believe it's been this long, but yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your role with Deloitte? Yes. So I am a consultant in their supply chain and network operations practice, which is a lot of words. Basically, I work with clients and we aim to solve their supply chain problems as consultant. You know, we're always looking at what we can do and what they've hired us for, what problem they've hired us to solve. So I can't get too much into detail about our clients or anything, but I've had a really great opportunity to work with Department of Defense clients, work with civil clients, state, local, and higher ed. We have such a broad practice within our government space. And it's really just, again, you really create these great relationships with the client and you're there to solve their problems, which is very much what I felt like I was doing in my operations manager role. I wanted to learn more about the broader supply chain because I understand how important maritime is in that spectrum. And based on the challenges that we face as an industry, you know, what can actually have so much broader impact on the global supply chain. And that's kind of the view that I'm taking now. Yeah, no, I think that the world has really gotten a taste of what the maritime industry is because of supply chain issues lately, right? And so now they've all become experts in the maritime industry, but you are actually the expert in supply chain management, right? I definitely work with a team of experts. I would not definitely credit myself to be the expert, but I work with a very well-rounded knowledge base of practitioners who have trucking and rail and air and ship. And, you know, we're all bringing that niche piece to the puzzle to solve a larger problem, which I'm super excited to be a part of because I love this stuff. This is like, I could talk about supply chain and boats all day. (laughs) That's great. So I feel like you've always had confidence in your life. You know, since I've met you as a cadet, you have always had like a great sense of humor and just have come to life as a very generous person. So could you point out a point in your career within the last couple of years that's really giving you a confidence boost? Thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say, because I definitely feel like I have probably the worst imposter syndrome on the planet. Um, (laughs) It's all a front. Someone once told me, fake it till you make it. And I might be still faking it. I don't know. I think that in my professional career, the first like confidence boost moment that I had was I graduated feeling very unqualified and very like I had nightmares that Captain Tish was going to run on a ship and rip my license. (laughs) You failed Selmaf or you failed this. Like for at least probably two years. I feel like nobody talks about that. I definitely felt that. And I would say the most like memorable experience I have, I was doing a turbo activation in Baltimore and the captain is now actually a professor at school and I still keep in contact with him. He's one of my like MMP mentors to this day. And, you know, I just started working and I was like, I'm going to take any job that they'll give me because I just want to start like feeling like I know what I'm doing and feeling like I made the right choice, you know, going to the academy, graduating, doing all this. So they sent me down to Baltimore. It was supposed to be like a week long job. It ended up being like four weeks. Coming back, I was the eight to 12 mate because I was brand new. 
and there was like an 09 grad who's on the ship and then like maybe another classmate of mine and we'd all somehow ended up together and I did my turnover with the second mate and you know I did my DRs I'm still in like school like traditional sailing mode and I took the con and like it was fine and replotted my position like three times and I immediately felt that like fall in my stomach and I was like something is wrong I slowed down and I called the captain and I was like I need help please come up here and he like ran up to the bridge you know he's really close it was one of the Bob Hope class so it was like really really close and he like looked where we are he looked on the chart we didn't have an ectus or anything it was like literally just oh my terrible God. school and he was like, I've got the con hard left, like slowed all the way down. And he was like, if you would have waited any longer, we probably would have been on a reef. And at that moment, not only was I just like, oh my God, terrified. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I like trust that feeling. Like I went with my gut feeling. I have this moment of like, oh wow, I know what I'm doing. And even though it was one of those moments that you look at and it's like, was it a failure because I had to call captain in like pride sense? I don't really care that's not ever faced me. It was more of like a, how do I know that I can trust my gut and make those types of decisions? And that was like, after I got over the like intensity of just like, oh my God, that almost just ended my career before it started. <laughs> it was, oh, wow, I can do this. That was my inherent understanding that I had the ability to actually be confident in my job and to understand that, yes, there were challenges, but that it once I trusted myself, I was able to actually make strides. I go back to that feeling a lot because I definitely, I'm 100%, you know, someone who struggles with imposter syndrome and really just all over the place most of the time. So Yeah, no, I think that we all struggle to some extent, right? And we might get put into situations that we feel like we're not quite ready for. And I think that's a very female thing that we want to go into a situation like fully prepared. And I don't think that life is ever like that, actually, that we're ever going to be really ready for anything until we actually go out there and do it. So I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing it. I think it's like a great example. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's one of those things that preparedness, you know, like you said, you don't really know until you're tested. And I miss that like immediate sense of testing that comes with being at sea and making those quick decisions. But I also find it in my current job too, in the sense of like understanding how this can make a long term impact on a client's business and where you're driving from. The feeling is not as like, gut-wrenching immediate, but that like sense of confidence is still there when you can deliver like that. Yeah, I think that's great. And it sounds like it's what keeps you excited to go back to work every day. Yeah, it's ironic that like, no one would ever think consulting or sailing are the same, but every day is different in both regards. While sailing might feel like Groundhog Day and like an overall spectrum, no day is actually the same and neither is with consulting. Every day there's a new problem to solve. Every day there's a new stakeholder or someone you need to talk to and build that relationship and bring your understanding to what the problem they have is. Yeah. Weirdly parallel. (laughs) What would be your advice for, let's say, somebody starting out in their career and they haven't had that moment of that confidence boost yet that you mentioned, and they're still thinking like their worst nightmare is going to come true, that their ex-professor is going to come and tell them that they actually didn't pass their exams. (laughs) That nightmare, I hope, was very personal and not a widespread thing. But no, I mean, I acknowledge that I've definitely been there. And there are days I definitely am not as happy and as excited as I am on this podcast. But especially when I was at sea, and something that I've been doing a lot more now is I take something for myself every day. That is a win for me, whether it's 
I read 10 pages in a book that I've been like kind of, you know, into, out of whatever, or I got on the treadmill for 20 minutes and just walked and was able to like decompress and disconnect from myself or like the days when it's like a positive negative, like, oh, I didn't get to this, but it's because I did something else. You know, Mm -hmm. those, those moments, especially at sea when you are so isolated and you don't have access to other things. I mean, they were super important for me. I think the worship I was on, I like made myself run three miles on the treadmill every day. And like, granted that may have been other things, but like I needed that I'm by myself. I'm in my own head. I'm thinking about a thousand different things, but none of it is related to the horrible day that I just had on this ship. I mean, I definitely feel like a huge amount of self-doubt at my corporate job now. I think Deloitte does a great job of like teaching us how to not have that doubt because, you know, there's a reason we're here and there's a reason that we're hired. You know, it's 8.30 at night and I'm like, oh my God, I have so much more work to do. And my deadline is 9 a.m. tomorrow and I need to do this and I want to do this. And, you know, I actually made myself dinner instead of having an Encrustable or like, you know, something like that. That's a positive, (laughs) even the negatives. But I also will say like, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I think now that's a lot more accessible, not just like from our whatever medical health insurance you have, but also like Talkspace or the apps that we definitely didn't have internet access for or like that kind of flexibility. And again, the word I'm hearing all the time is flexibility. Like it brings your more of a normal sense of self from your outside of shipping life to you having those kind of I don't know, like pick me up. I personally love therapy. I think it's a great place for me. And it's something that I think a lot of people now that they have access to that, it's definitely helpful in in building that self of self-confidence and that stronger sense of self. Because I do think, especially in the beginning of my career, I had no idea. I was very much like a chameleon. I was like, okay, this is what the ship wants me to be. So this is who I'm going to be. And I spent a lot of time doing a lot of soul searching and like, you know, self-enlightenment on my many travels around the world, just trying to gain human perspective so I can figure out who I wanted to be. Now Mm -hmm. that I've developed it, like, how do I hone that? And how do I make sure that I bring myself authentically to work every day and that, you know, I'm advocating for other people to do the same? I hope that was an answer. I feel like it kind of went all over the place, but also that's probably a good indication of how my mind works. (laughs) Tell me about something that you really enjoy outside of your work. I am a skier. I have been skiing since I think my mom credits it before I can walk, but this has been something that I've had my entire life. And obviously going to ski in the winter for years on end wasn't really great for me, but I was able to like go chase snow around the world, which has always been something I've been super passionate about. And now I've been able to work my kind of, thank you for COVID, honestly, work my culture of work into having this hybrid remote possibility where now I run a ski program in upstate New York. Oh, wow. Basically pick up from DC and head north. And it's fantastic. It's really been such a great way for me to give back. I did have quite a colored ski career with multiple injuries and success and failure. And that definitely taught me a lot of resilience as I went into the academy and through sailing. But it's also been something I've been able to now give back to the next generation of ski racers and really work with such an awesome foundation that's trying to educate specifically New York State, but ski racing on an entirety and snow sports on an entirety. So it's been great. I absolutely love it. It brings me so much joy and so much fulfillment. And these kids are just so awesome. I learn so much from them every day. And I say that not as a parent. And I hope one day, you know, if that's afforded to me, that's great. But for now, learning from them is like the coolest thing I've had the opportunity to do. So. 
That's so cool that you're able to balance something that you're really passionate about and then find a career that you're also passionate about that gives you the flexibility to do the things that you love. So like, it's a great example of finding your way in the industry and following your passion still. So, and it takes time. Like you said, there were definitely winners that you missed and that was always heartbreaking. I'm sure I've been there too, but you figured it out and you're in a really great spot now, I think. Yeah. You mentioned flexibility and that's something that Deloitte does such a great job of. They're so like people centric and they really take an investment in their employees. And I actually had lunch with my old boss from APL yesterday. And that was something that we were talking about was like, the maritime industry as a whole, our labor market and our retention and all of these challenges that I think we talk about in like friend groups and professional groups. But that is one of the things that keeps coming up. And I think that flexibility has actually afforded me so much more from a perspective of being able to have fulfilling passions on the side, but also be able to reach out and do more volunteer work or more industry outreach and have that still core of my job is a supply chain consultant, but I have all these things that I'm afforded the opportunity to do beyond that. And how do we bring that into shipping? I don't really know if that's something that people are thinking about or if there's an answer for that, but that is definitely something that we talk about, at least in my friend groups and my professional circles, for sure. Yeah. And I think the allure of the industry used to be to travel the world and go and see all these ports, but that's not really the case anymore. You know, we've made ports so efficient and they can turn around quickly most of the time. So now we're trying to figure out how to target the younger generation to want to go into a career and how are we going to sell it to them? You know, if you have any suggestions on that, you know, having the flexibility is going to be the selling point of, you know, you can still have you know, a life, you're going to have the time off and you're going to have the means, the financial means to do good in your community if you want to. Totally. Kate, you've had a great career. You're just starting on it, I feel like. You have a long career ahead of you still. I think that you're an amazing role model. I love that you are following your passions. You found a place that you can call home and feel comfortable in your own skin in. And you have an amazing community supporting you within Women Offshore and then DC area, I'm sure as well. I'm so glad that I got to catch up with you. You've always been one of my favorite people to talk to because you just have a wonderful smile. And I hope that I can share your story with our community and that they are inspired by you. I am all the time. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? I'm all over the internet. I love the internet. <laughs> LinkedIn is usually the best way to reach out to me, especially in this setting. You know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I run three different accounts. One's mostly skiing. The other one is, you know, mostly like whatever I've been traveling to. But yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the way that I've been utilizing more and more to reach out. And for me, within the network that I've built since I've been sailing and through my alumni connections and various, it's been very helpful to connect people because I know I'm not an expert by any way, shape or form. But when people are like, oh, I'm looking to do something in like, insurance. Do you know anyone in insurance? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I have this great contact at this company and I'll send you that. And you know, I love my mom laughs. She's like, you should have been a recruiter. And I'm like, I wouldn't have fun doing that, but I love doing it for people who are invested in what they want to do. And also, especially, I feel like a lot of my friends are transitioning out of the industry right now. Most of my female classmates, like we've had some serious conversations about how to make that transition outward. And I'm very happy that I was probably one of the first ones to do it that I can now bring other people together. And that is probably the strongest way I do it. So yeah, that's wonderful. Kate, thanks so much for your time. I'm so excited to hear from you again. 
do you have anything else that you want to share? Thank you guys so much for having me. And I really hope that the community feels comfortable reaching out. And if anybody has any questions or anything, I'm definitely here to be a resource. And even on your worst days, you're still doing better. So definitely keep on going. And thank you for everybody at sea, especially if you're listening to this at sea. No one credits the Mariners with the amount of work that they do. And now being in a role where that's like not even a phased thought anymore, it's, it's really, you know, you have to take time to thank everyone for what they're doing and really supporting so much more than you realize. So thank you guys. And thank you, Christine. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.